Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. We're talking USC Trojan football. The Trojans are 6-1, and one, just beat Utah last night in Coliseum 28-27. Comeback game for USC. Sam Darnold and the Trojans. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or you can go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, about everything he's felt, what happened in the game, lots of questions. We got a lot of, uh, we got voicemails. We got questions written in, uh, before halftime, which was kind of interesting. So people kind of changed their tune by the end of the game. But yeah, a lot of USC fans were not happy. If you have questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. You can email us anytime. Uh, you can also call or text us anytime. Leave us a voicemail or send us a text 424-254-9141. You can find us on iTunes, itunes.com slash Peristyle podcast, but we got lots of places you can find the show on Google Play and Stitcher Radio and Audio Boom and TuneIn Radio. If you have any problems finding it anywhere, your favorite podcasting app, just let us know. We'll do our best to make sure it gets to where you want it to be. It's our 10th season covering the Trojans and Coach Harvey Hyde's been with us all 10 of those. What is up, Coach? How you doing? I'm doing great, buddy. Uh, here we are on a Sunday doing our podcast and we're going to try to do it on Sunday. To- the way I understand it. So uh, for all of you out there, if you have a question for us, get it in early because we do want to try to answer all your questions and we appreciate you being a part of our show. We certainly do. It's uh, it's a show since the very beginning. It's been built on questions and interaction from fans. So that's what we depend on. And that's how we run the show. So we want to talk about what you want to talk about. And uh, before we jump into all the questions, I wanted to thank Southern California Tickets, SCTickets.com. They've been helping us out for many, many years. If you need tickets for, you want to go to the USC Notre Dame game next weekend, now that USC 6 and 1, uh, any other Southern California stuff. Of course, the Dodgers, they're in the playoffs, the Cubs. Fun stuff. If you want to check out any kind of sporting event, you want to check out the theater, you want to go to a play, you go to SCTickets.com or call them at 1 800 888 7287. Tell Curtis Harvey Hyde sent you, and uh, he'll get a good laugh out of it, and he'll talk about it in a little while about Coach Harvey Hyde, who he's, he's known for many, many years. Yeah. Oh, he has. He yeah. has, and he <laughs> listens, too, so he, he's probably laughing right now. <laughs> uh, good guy, Curtis. So, yeah, definitely give him a call or go to setickets.com, and they will hook you up. Um, okay, this is funny. So we've been, like I said, this is our 10th year, so be- before we jump into, like, the game game questions – I got an email from Margaret. And I thought it was kind of funny because we do, I mean, we've been doing it for a long time. We just kind of assume everybody knows who everybody is. Uh, she wrote in, listen to your podcast for the first time. Who is Coach Harvey Hyde? USC coach, Oregon State coach. Very confusing. Please introduce your speakers. Don't assume your listeners know who these people are. Thank you from Margaret. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, we've been doing this a long time, Coach. We just kind of assume that everybody knows who you are. So if you want to give yourself a quick introduction and then we'll, we'll get on to the questions. Well, I'll tell you, I was very fortunate. I've coached on all levels, high school level, community college level, four year level as an assistant coach, four year, le- a year level as a head coach. And, uh, and I coached for 25 years. Uh, fortunate, uh, I was, uh, able to be around great coaches and great players. And we had uh, pretty good teams and pretty good players. That not only experienced uh, our uh, level of coaching, whatever I was on then, but also at the highest level, which is in uh, the NFL. One went in last year, the NFL Hall of Fame, and Terrell Davis, who played for us. Also, Randall Cunningham last year went in the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Icky Woods, uh, another player of ours at UNLV when I was the head football coach there, also played with us, along with other great players who made us pretty good coaches. It's hard to be a good coach without a great staff and without great players. And I've always been blessed and fortunate to have the type of people around me that make you a better head coach. So uh, that basically is a brief description of who I am. 
Yeah. And, uh, you can go to his website, harveyhigh.com. Um, real quick for me, if you don't know who I am, I'm the publisher of uscfootball.com. This is our 22nd season covering USC football. So I've created uscfootball.com back in 1996 and we've been doing it ever since. Like I said, been doing the podcast for 10 years. So I cover the team. Uh, I did, I did go to USC undergrad and grad school. Um, but so I've been around the program for quite a while. So quick introduction, Margaret. Sorry about that. We just kind of assume. Everybody's been listening and, but we've got, we have got a ton of new listeners and, uh, you know, so it's good, good to do a little quick introduction. Okay. So Margaret, when I got to tell Margaret, thank you for joining us in the huddle. We call it. So we got another winner in our huddle. You know what? The more we surround ourselves with those type of listeners, the better we are. Yeah. It's great. Thanks, Margaret. Hope you are a listener for a long time. Um, okay. So <laughs> the beginning, like the first half of the game was, you know, Different, if you're from a USC perspective, not as good as the second half of the game, obviously. And this is kind of a funny example. I'm going to play you two voicemails back to back. It's not too long. Um, someone calling in in the first half and then calling in afterwards. Here's the first half call. Hello, Ryan. This is Brian from Birmingham checking in, SC fan in SEC country. Well, it's time for Sam to go to the bench, all right? Um, I know he was supposed to have been um, this great quarterback. Um, he led us to a Rose Bowl victory last year, but this year mentally he's not in the game. Okay. You guys wanted him to run it more. You and Dan thought he should run it more. Okay. Well, he has two fumbles. That last offensive possession we just had right before the half, Tyler Petit was open at the first down marker, but he locked in on Burnett through it high like his last three or four passes have been high. I'm sorry. It's time for him to go to the bench. Bring in Fink, who, who needs to be the future right now. So that that's the first half question. And then he called in. Hello, this is Brian calling in, SC fan down at SEC country. I have to admit, I misspoke. I have no problem with saying when I'm wrong. Sam pulled it out. SC pulled it out. It was close. It looked ugly in the first half. But, hey, I was wrong, and I admit I was wrong. Go Trojans. Well, thank you for calling in, first of all, with the first question, and second with the second question. <laughs> so I guess Coach Helton was right. He didn't pull him. Uh, unfortunately, he did have a couple of fumbles. Unfortunately, yes, I've been one, one of the ones encouraging uh, making the quarterback a second running back, and didn't uh, I thought of that when he fumbled too, as far as the way I suggested it. But uh, if you remember the second or third play of the game, he picked up seven yards by keeping the ball, and I think it's something you have to do unless you decide to go to a two-back offense. Now, I strongly believe they should go to a two-back offense. I think they demonstrated on the last three drives they can run the football. And can you imagine both Malapai and Jones or Carr being in the backfield at the same time? It would be unbelievable. But that's a decision as far as for Clay Helton to make. My feeling is keep it simple, get your players on the field, and be physical. But uh, I think Sam, without Sam, uh, if he'd have been pulled, uh, uh, USC would have lost that football game. He made plays that were unbelievable. He's the playmaker type of guy, and you got to have faith. you got to show faith in him. I remember once when I was coaching, we were in the uh, the Modesto Bowl when I was a community college coach, and the sports editor of the local paper in Pasadena, uh, son was our quarterback, and we were down, and, and uh, we were looking horrible, and we were one of the top teams in the country, and I remember talking with my offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, and I said, i got to make a move. I got to pull this kid and I've got to uh, put someone else in. I'm not going to use names, of course. And they said, coach, if you know, if you do this, you know what's going to happen to you if we lose. They're going to rip you for months. And I said, I realize that, but I have an obligation to the team and I got to do what's right. And I did pull him. And the second kid came in and played a magnificent game. And luckily we won, but you sometimes have to make decisions that, uh, Sometimes people don't agree with, but you as a head football coach have to agree with. Coach Helton knows Sam Donald and went with him, and I think it was the greatest decision that he could have made. Yeah, Sam Donald's not getting benched. <laughs> so even though on my Twitter account, if you want to follow my Twitter, Inside Troy, I mean, I had some really interesting tweets. I'm sure you did too, Coach. People that really wanted to bench uh, Sam Donald, but that, that kind of cleaned up in the second half. Um Steven San Diego says, thanks as always for the podcast. It's a lot cheaper than therapy. Look at that, people. It's, it's, it's free. So definitely cheaper than therapy. Uh, my question is for the coach. Sam Donald does not look like he's improving under a full year of Tyson Helton's tutelage. 
Uh, T. Martin still can't call a game as a coordinator. Clancy is about 90% right. His glaring error is Biggie starting at corner. That is really uh, starting to, hu- uh, to hu- hurt this team. Coach Hyde often says, few coaches, if any, would trade SC's roster with anyone. Would Coach Hyde trade the coaching staff? Thanks, as always, Steve in San Diego. Well, Steve, you know I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> uh, I'm right. not going to answer that question. Um, but uh, I will say that, uh, yes, they do have the best roster, I believe, in the Pac-12. I think they've got players on the field that can really get it done, and when they're on all uh, 12, sig- uh, 11 uh, cylinders, and they got the rhythm, and they keep it simple, and they do what they can do well, and they do it that way, they're really a good football team. I think when they start to get out of what they can do, and they and you watch them play, and you say, what are they trying to do out there? I think I tweeted out once, and I said, there we go, 31 flavors again, which means some of these plays, I don't understand why they're calling them. In one series, they threw three straight passes when they had been running the football. I don't understand that. So, you know, there are times when somebody drifts away, and you wonder why they're doing certain things. And, and uh, yes, it, I don't agree with all of a lot of the play calling and a lot of the things that are happening. But, again, uh, you know, they're 6-1 and one and 4-1 and one in conference play. But you expect a little bit more when you're uh, USC, I think. But I think what demonstrated how good they can be, ladies and gentlemen, 98, 88, 93-yard drives. That convinced the Utah coach to go for two. Because he knew the momentum, the crowd, and everything was in the game. He's on the road. If we don't win it now, we're not going to win it with 42 seconds to go. Because they had completely worn down Utah's defense completely pounded them like I talk about win the war win it on the line of scrimmage and they demonstrated that they were unstoppable and this is the type of running game and punishment that other teams uh, should take from USC yeah I think Utah does a great job of coaching I like their coach really well William and their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator I think they do a great job but if you watch that game you saw everybody brought their game from Moss, the running back, to Williams, the quarterback, the defensive players, they brought their game. This was their bowl game and in Southern California. And uh, you've got to bring your game, too. And I think the Trojans in the second half brought their game. In the first half, it was embarrassing, I could say the least. That's what I should say. Yeah, it was, uh, as you people called in, wrote in, they were embarrassed. They were not really happy with the way the performance was going. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, there are two halves. And th- this next question is about the how USC played in the first half and the second half. It's Nick from Cyprus. And he said, first, I want to say to Coach Hart, Coach Harvey Hyde, let's have a moment of silence for the victims of the Las Vegas shooting. Uh, I don't know if this was brought up on the podcast, but I will. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 nice. Let's have a moment, Nick, because that uh, makes sense. Yeah, coach, I know you're really close to, to, I mean, obviously you're in Vegas all the time. Um, so I don't, I don't think we had brought it up on the podcast before, but I, if you had any thoughts before we get to his question. Well, it was a horrible tragedy. I just came back from an association meeting and one of our neighbors are going to a funeral on Thursday with a friend of theirs they lost. Um, uh, uh, I was going to go to Vegas the Monday after the, tragedy and I decided not to go people didn't want to see me and I didn't want to be into that situation and distraction and the sorrow that was going on in the city of Las Vegas there's a terrible thing that happened the city really rallied themselves around the tragedy probably only in Las Vegas they could so quickly regroup as far as with the blood donations with people lined up three hour waits to give blood I know the American Red Cross president, I talked with him. He says they had to cut it off because they had too much blood. When hotel owners opened up their hotels for free rooms for people who are relatives or people who were associated with somebody who may have been injured. I mean, uh, they came out and supported uh, the people. The city supported the tragedy. And uh, I don't know, but that whole thing, the way I understand it, in 12 minutes, the shooter was located. They're on that floor. And it was over. 
I've spoke to people that were in it. At first, they didn't know where it was coming from, so they didn't know which way to go. Once uh, someone recognized and they know which direction to go, what was going on. But it was a terrible incident. It'll be a scar forever on Las Vegas and our country. And uh, all we have to do as a unit and a country and a city is get stronger so we can battle. It's like anything else. Game day is every day. So you've got to be able to uh, tape your ankles, be ready for anything, and be there to help others. Yeah, you know, one thing I didn't even realize, I talked to uh, our friend McKenna Keel, who's, uh, she covers USC uh, for one of the other websites, and um, she was there at the, you know, at the shooting, and, you know, when it happened, and she was at the concert, and uh, she said even just being on the field, she didn't really want to come to the Coliseum, there was, uh, um, and I got to talk to her afterwards, you know, there's, you know, just anticipation of what it was going to be like, the big crowd, the fireworks going off and, you know, it just dawned on me. I didn't even realize like, even if, you know, you weren't, you know, like no one that you know was shot or whatever you were there, like that's going to be something that's with you likely forever. You know, you'll have sleepless nights and all kinds of stuff. So man, just heart, heart, you know, thoughts and prayers to all the victims and anyone that was around there or impacted by it. Cause I know it's going to, it's going to last a long time. So it um, is, it's going to last a long time. And, uh, the person who runs it for the MGM is a former player of mine. Oh wow! And they and they lost uh, one of their audio guys, and uh, it's uh, it's something they won't forget either yeah. all their lives. So uh, I think that's enough of that because every time I start to think about that, I I go in the tank. Yeah, no, I I, I hear what you're saying, Coach, and uh, thanks, Nick, for bringing it up because we you know because we know Coach is very close to to Vegas, so um, something we should have brought up before. Um, so his question says, football game. Uh, so this was a game of two halves. What did USC do different to win the game? And will this work going forward through the season so that we have a strong finish all the way through the regular season and Pac-12 title game? Fight on, Nick and Cyprus. Well, Nick and Cyprus, uh, I would like to see the momentum of the second half carry over to all games the remainder of the year. I would show that second half over and over and over. I don't believe I'd show the first half to our team. Uh, by now, they've already determined what they've done, and they've done it. Why show all the negatives when you're not doing anything right? And a lot of it's just not the players. It's uh, everybody's fault. I would say this is the type of football team we can be. This is who we should be every week. And I'd show it over and over and over the way the offensive line dominated and drove people off the ball, the way the backs ran for the extra yard, the way Tyler Vaughn and the other receivers made great plays, the way they utilized their tight end for three touchdown passes. I don't know how long we've been talking about that. And the utilization of, of finally finding out what the rotation should be with the receivers. They rotated four receivers, and those receivers started to mature and come along. And the running back wise, uh, I, it speaks for itself. The offensive line, they rotated maybe just two offensive tackles. The rest of them played intact. And on the defensive side of the ball, Rector again has proven the type of player he is. Cameron Smith has directed the type of player he is. And you got to let these guys just play football. And I'm not going to get into the techniques, what they need to work on. But I think the basic thing is you've got to play football like you like it. You've got to play football at the intensity of you can't waste a play, you can't waste a minute. You've got to play it like it's the last play of the game or the last play of your life. And I think that's how they started to play the second half of that football game. Every play was a big play. Yeah, Coach Helton, I mean, I think you just want them to go out and have fun and enjoy football, and uh, it certainly looked like they did that. Um, here's a voicemail question, Coach, more about coaching. A lot of concerns, as you can imagine, from the USC fan base. Here you go. Hi, this is Don from the East Coast. This message is for uh, you, Ryan. Great show. And uh, um, Coach Harvey, hi. I'm calling because um, it's very evident. I'm watching the game. They just scored the touchdown. And it's very evident that this team is not ready to play as they have not been ready to play for weeks. 
as much as we want to blame Sam Donald and get upset about this, we really have to look at the coaching staff because they got to have these guys ready to play. If they're not ready to play and they're undisciplined, jumping off sides, Sam Donald's loose with the ball, we really got to look at how these, what these guys are doing, what they're saying to these guys, what their preparation is during the week. We got to look at all those things. So, you know, I love the show. Um, come on from the East Coast. Great job, guys. Thanks. Bye. Uh, well, thank you very much. And, you know, uh, the blame always goes to the quarterback and the glory always goes to the quarterback and the podcast always goes to the quarterback and all of those other things. But I want to tell you, I had a little simple uh, drill I used to do. I always tell you about my three-whistle drills and all these different things. You know, you're only as good as your offensive line and your quarterback's only as good as your offensive line as far as pass protection so he can get the ball off. And a lot of plays that Sam Darnold makes, he does it on his own as far as being forced out of the pocket or running for the first down or being flushed to the right or flushed to the left and trying to make a play happen, which he does. And a lot of times the correct person is not being picked up or not being blocked properly where he has the opportunity of being Sam Darnold. I used to have a simple drill. I would have to tackle, line up, and be the quarterback. And I would see how he would like it when the defensive lineman is trying to chase him down. And he's running around in some of the hits they take from the blind side. Now, I'm not telling you I'm trying to be cool, but I'm trying to teach a lesson that every time you pass block, that every time you run a play, there's somebody's safety at stake and success at stake. And you got to understand that, hey, this guy's going to stand back there and try to find a receiver, but he depends on you to block your guy, not miss your block, or not do a lookout block, which means you miss your guy and you turn around and say, look out, you know? So I think that the pride in what you do is so important, and the philosophy of how you coach these guys are important on how important and how much they want to get it done for you. So uh, that's what I feel on that, and... Uh, I think there's a, a lot to be said on people understanding what it's like to play another position other than your own. Um, Otis had a question. He said, for you, Coach, uh, Clay Helton keeps saying that he wants, he's waiting for the light to turn on for players. What is that light? Well, I guess you should say wake up. Wake up and uh, be who you are. Don't talk about being who you are. Be who you are. We recruited you because we thought you were a pretty good player. And sometimes uh, guys have got motivated a little bit more, and sometimes they need more than just saying, hey, you know, we got to go out and have fun. Sometimes I've never been in a locker room at USC, so I don't know what's going on at halftime, okay? But sometimes they've got to be motivated to understand how embarrassing it is, what they're doing, not embarrassing themselves, but embarrassing a national TV audience. Uh, the fans, your parents even, your girlfriend even. When you walk out of the locker room, your girlfriend's not going to be there. Your parents aren't going to be there. So you better start playing the way you are supposed to play or, you know, it isn't going to happen. So, you know, motivation is a big part of playing anything or working at anything. And wearing a watch, that's something I don't like to do because I'm going to work until it's done. And in the old days, we'd we'd practice until it was done. I remember we were having practice uh, with our offense. We were having problems with our offense as far as jumping off sides. They couldn't even get on uh, in the right formation. I remember one practice, and many times I've done this, on either side of the ball. I'd call a team up and I'd say, defense, you had a great practice. Take them, condition them, and take them in. And I'd say to the manager or whoever's in charge, turn the lights on. The offense is staying out here until we get this right. And we'd line up. And we do whatever we had to do. The second unit became a defensive unit of the scout team. They did. So they could see what the defensive guy was trying to line up in that you were trying to beat, not have somebody else try to do it. Now, this is the guy you block. So when you go to offense, you'll understand it, but you just played it on defense. And we would stay out there until I felt comfortable that they knew what they were supposed to do. Not because I wanted to stay out longer for practice. It's because I had an obligation to make sure we were the best at what we did. And sometimes they don't come to practice with the right attitude. And I won't allow that. When they stop on the 
step on the field, it's like going to surgery. Do you want a doctor to come in and operate you and he's not in the mood? That's the same thing as going on a practice field. you got to be in the mood to play football. I love it. Be in the mood. All right. Uh, Blake from Anaheim Hills. Is it me? Or does it seem like first and second down, we're trying to throw the ball to the sideline with little success and then finally having to utilize the middle of the field more on third down with more success? Why don't they utilize the middle of the field on first and second down to avoid the third and longs? Thanks for all you guys do. Fight on, Blake. Well, they they did hit Tyler Petit down the middle of the scene and for a nice touchdown. It was really a nice play. And again, we're looking at the type of coverages that were used. And when you have a certain coverage, and they played 90%, 80% man coverage, my man on you. They tested earlier uh, Jack Jones. They went after him three or four times, and Jack made some great plays. He did a great job, and then they gave up on Jack. And they went to the other side. They're going to test that side, and they went over and tested Biggie. Now, they felt they were either going to get a completion or they were going to pass interference penalty. Well, they got that. And we've been talking about that the entire time, and I feel bad for Biggie. Because when I see his face, he is really flustered. I mean, he doesn't know what to do. Should I allow him to score? He's beat me. Is the ball going to be thrown over his head? What am I going to do? So it's better to have a pass interference penalty than it is to allow him a touchdown. That's basically what goes through your head when that's happening. It happens so quickly. So, you know, uh, they've got it playing corner, and it's not like it just changes today. Ryan, I've done this for three years since he's been there. Uh, I don't think he's suited to play corner. I don't think he feels comfortable out there. And I think that he'd be a better football player at another position. He's a tough kid. He'd be great coming off the corner. I think he'd be great on blitzes and different things. I think that he'd be a great player. I don't think he feels comfortable being a quarter. And you got to play comfy, feel comfortable about a position you feel. You got to feel good about it. I've got the confidence to take this guy out of the game. He's going to be out of the game. And I think that's something you got to do. And, you know, the films go around everywhere in the conference so everybody sees what everybody else tried to do to you. So they're going to come back and try to do that to you also. Now, I don't remember the entire question. If you want me to go longer, please repeat it again, Ryan. Uh, no, I think you're good there. Um, just like on first and second. He was talking about first and second. Oh, down. oh first yeah. and second. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, when you throw the football, you know, first of all, you got to know, what do you want out of the pass? What do you want out of it? Do you want a one-yard gain? I see some routes when you get a one-yard game. I say, why do you even do that? You want a five-yard game to stay on schedule? Well, what down and distance is, is it, and what do you want? Why are you throwing the ball on a certain down, a first or second down? Is it a play-action situation? What are you doing it for? Uh, you've got to have a philosophy of why you're throwing the football on first and second down. And, and once you decide that, you select a route against what coverages they're running that you feel you got an 80% to complete it. And you got a gain out of that route. Uh, you know, you, you, you don't want to, I mean, sometimes two yard routes or you're running crossing routes across, across the middle of the field and man defense for four yards when they had the sticks or first down is, you know, 10, you make two yards, three yards on a third down play or whatever. I mean, you can't do that. You can't waste plays. You got to know what coverages they're in and you've got to make percentage press, uh, coverage uh, patterns that beat or clear the area of the area who is your primary receiver, supposedly. Now, right now, I see Sam locking on. He's predetermining who he's throwing the ball to, which is not good. I don't know if you people notice that or not, but he is predetermining who he's throwing the ball to. And I also see receivers standing next to each other. On that one seam route, there was two receivers three yards from each other. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, somebody's got to correct that. Someone's not teaching them or they're not understanding what was called in the route. And you see that a lot of times. So you've got to stretch the field. You've got to throw to the middle of the field, first of all, to be able to make sure that they defend it. Why would I defend the middle of the field if you never throw the football there? I wouldn't defend it. Right. So this is the thing you have to develop as an offensive coordinator and you got to correlate the coverages that you're going against and then make sure that you utilize hump. what you're throwing the ball for, what's your goal, five yards, six yards, what are you going to do? I love how it was a like question about the offense, first and second down, we end up talking about Iman Marshall. 
Um, but Jay, Jay basically had that question. So I'm going to read it to you. It's, it's, there's a few parts to it, but he said, are Jack Jones and Nchenna Nwusu USC's best defensive players? Should Iman Marshall move into a Sua Cravens type of role? And it's clear that the offenses are targeting him on critical third downs and finding success via poor coverage or pass interference. Love the more frequent podcast. Fight on from the Bay Area. Well, I'm not saying he's the best defensive player, but I would say he's the most improved right now. Which one, Jack Jones, Jack, or Jones. Jack Jones or Jenna? Jack Jones or he said Jack Jones and Uchenna and Wusu. Yeah, I would say Jack Jones is is probably one of the most improved because the first of the year he was horrible. What I mean by that, he learned a lot. He was out of position. He didn't look coordinated. Uh, he was getting beat. He didn't tackle well. I think right now he's starting to become a man. Now what he has to learn is control what he's saying. A lot of times uh, in press conferences, I don't think that's real smart. I don't. I think that's probably up on the Notre Dame uh, uh, bulletin board. And I'm surprised that people allow him to do that. I mean, if one of my players did that, I, I mean, I don't know if he'd make the trip. But he probably would. But, uh, you know, and I, if people don't know what it's about, I'm certainly not going to tell you what it's about. But I think Cameron Smith's a great player. And Wawuso, or whatever you pronounce his name, he's a superstar, too. And a guy that's coming along is Kristen Rector. He had two sacks. He's always around the football. I think he's really, really improving. I love to see Brandon play in there more. Every day that big body is is moving around better and better and better. I think the more reps you give him, the better football player he's going to be. John Houston, uh, I'm not going to get into that. But uh, I think that uh, there's areas that can be improved. But I would say that uh, the people you mentioned, I know a leader is Hawkins. I think he's a great leader in Martell. Uh, flies around and you know there's a lot of leaders out there a lot of guys that play hard but some are, are in the picture more and some of them are making more tackles and doing the things that stand out so you know that's what happens all right thanks for that one uh jay bill had an interesting one he said uh did you ever have a season when your team just kept winning ugly not satisfying but wins were wins fight on from bill Bill, I, I would hope I'd have a lot of those as long as they were W's. I've had teams that didn't have the talent, believe me, didn't have the talent but had the unity that found a way to win. And then I've had teams that had all the talent in the world and we'd have an average year because they just weren't, they didn't get it together. They just didn't have it together. And, uh, yeah, I, I would say take a ugly win any time as long as we got the W. Now, when you look like that and you play a lot of them over and over and over, it's going to get you. It's going to get you. Got you at Washington State. And uh, you can't let it happen again. You've had your opportunity, supposedly now, to learn from that. You've had two or three comebacks in the fourth quarter that everybody loves, but you better not forget that because when you go to Notre Dame and last night Arizona State beating Washington and you still got to play them and Arizona beating UCLA, Anybody can beat anybody in the Pac-12, okay? you got to be thankful that you've already played Cal and Stanford because they're playing pretty good football right now. So you've got to get yourself together, and you don't want to win ugly. You want When you walk across the field, you want to shake somebody's hand, and you want to say, hey, or hear him say, you guys have a great football team. You kicked our you-know-what. That's the greatest feeling, or when a coach comes across and whispers in your ear so nobody will hear it. You always wonder what they're saying. And he says, Coach, you guys are awesome. You kicked our you-know-what. And I say back to him, thank you and good luck. <laughs> nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what happens. You wonder what they whisper in their ears. I've never had a guy tell me, Coach, you're lucky. You ain't worth a damn. Never heard that before. But, uh, that you know, those things are... Or what goes on? Yeah, you'll take an ugly loss or win, but you don't want an ugly loss. Right. Neil in Manila says, was the win another step in the right direction? The offensive line and receivers are improving. It's now up to Sam to clean up the turnovers and trusting the guys around him. Thanks. Fight on, Neil in Manila. Well, I would say that's true. I would say he has to improve like others improve. And I think that if you take a lot of pressure off him, what Sam's trying to do is do it all himself, guys. He's trying to do it all himself. And you can't do it all yourself. He's trying to make plays on every single down. 
he's afraid not to throw the football because they might have another chance, not another chance to do that or make that first down. When he ran on that third down play, I think it was the second drive when they went 88 yards and got that first down. Maybe it was the final drive. That's a Sam Darnold play. I mean, it was third and 15. He knew where the sticks were. Everybody's got to know where the sticks are. And they got to make sure they get past those sticks and those sticks keep moving. And when uh, Jones went over the top and landed on his feet, I'll tell you, he w- you weren't going to keep him out of the goal line. You were keeping him out of the end zone. That's the way you got to play all the time. You know, try to stop me. It ain't going to happen. So, you know, it's called effort. It's called big E. Effort. I need a big E out of you guys. And uh, then I used to say, too, sometimes you can walk back in the locker room, look in the mirror, and said, I did everything I could to win, and I gave it the big E. Yeah. That's the number one thing. Um, Tark had a couple quick ones. Do you think Sam Darnold should wear gloves to grip the ball better? Is his first one. I really don't know. These gloves and the things they're wearing today and different things. I don't know. They got everything, you know. They got they got strings yeah. around their biceps. And I don't know. <laughs> I noticed too the black socks yesterday. How many people out there noticed the black socks on? Actually, USC? Yeah, yeah. Brian. So let me. I'll read this to you. Brian said, "Question for Coach Hyde. USC came out wearing black socks. This infuriates me. Why can't we stick to tradition and wear white socks like USC is known for? As a coach, did you ever have issues with players trying to change tradition? And uh, I, I don't even notice uniform stuff." Dan Weber was also uh, very upset in the press box when he saw the black socks. I could think they were wearing black undershirts as well. Yeah, you know, I don't understand who determines that, but no one determines that. I do. I mean, kids can come to me and, and say, hey, coach, like I give you that story about, you know, the name on the back of the jersey. I said, you play well enough to look to the program and find out who the hell you are. <laughs> And I mean that as far as, you know, the black socks and this and that. I mean, don't worry about what you look like. Worry about how you play. And where are the jerseys that Brad Buddy wore and these other great players wore? Be proud of the uniform you wear and the fans wear when they're in the stands. Don't wear what you think is cool, man. You wear what you're supposed to wear and don't even question me. This is our uniform. Don't ask for anything else. And this is the way it is. I agree with that 100%. I even had, I even had in my locker room a line like a little, I forget where it was, what it was, what it was the inches above the shoe of where the socks had to be and they all had to be exactly the same on every player. Oh, interesting. Exactly the same. Same height. They weren't pulled up to the knees. They weren't down by the ankles. They didn't have yellow shoes because they're a place kicker. I'll find it. Get your shoe you want to wear, and I'll dye it black, okay, or white, whatever our color is, okay? There were some players that wore certain shoes that weren't our school's shoe, and you know what I'm talking about. I mean, they weren't buying our equipment. But I would get that shoe, and I'd have our equipment guy fix it so that it did have the shoe striping on it that supported our school because that's part of it. So, you know, a lot of guys want to tell you what to do. They don't tell me what to do. This is what you wear. This is what the tradition is. That's Other guys have worn this same uniform. You'll wear it, too. Or go play somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and own- if you tell them, go play somewhere else, they'll know you're serious. And if they do go, you didn't want them anyway. Yeah. Over, over socks? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't a big fan, but... The other, Tark's other question was, Michael Pittman looked good when he had a chance. Why wasn't he targeted more? Uh, that's, that's a question I can't answer. Okay. I'd, I'd like to say this and say that about that, but you know, I can't really say uh, why he wasn't targeted more. So rather than try to make something up, it's best not to answer it when I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, I would say, um, I mean, he's still coming back from the injury and they was coming along a little slow, but it doesn't just look, it doesn't look like they're on, him and Sam are on the same page, um, uh, where like a Tyler Vaughn's, they do. Um, now Sam's overthrown Tyler a few times. If anytime Darnold puts it within reach of Vaughn's, he catches it. Um, when he's not catching it, it's like, it's too far or it's out of bounds or whatever, but they just seem to have a better understanding, uh, of each other right now. So I think it's just going to take some time. But if I remember, I gotta, I'm gonna rewatch the game, but if I remember correctly, some of the targets towards, um, 
Pittman just it wasn't it wasn't all that pretty. So uh let's see. We got we have a few more and then we'll let you go, Coach. We have one um voicemail, one last voicemail question for you. Here you go. Welcome podcast. This is Robin Yakaya. Uh, very fortunate to get the win against Utah. I I specifically want to ask either Coach Hyde or Dan Weber regarding our punt return team or a lack of a punt return team. You know, we're over halfway through the season now. We don't have a punt return team, and it's utterly embarrassing to to show that on national television where Ed Gene Harris just throws his arms up in the air, either catches the ball, fair catches, or lets the ball roll down inside the 10-yard line every single time. I mean, we had to come back and win that game with three long drives in the second half, around 90 yards each. And, you know, Dory Jackson was returning punts for three years. We've had three years to get somebody ready for this position, and it's a dereliction of duty, in my opinion, to let this drag on like this. I mean, what does that say to our opponents that every time they have to punt? They know exactly what's going to happen. All they got to do is just try to pin us deep. And, and that's the biggest deficiency with this team right now is you can't rely on 90-yard 90 90-yard 90 scoring drives uh, every, you know, to bail, you, bail us out every time. You know, if it wasn't for Sam Darnold, ex, his excellence in this game, I mean, we would have lost this game again. So, to me, not having a Dory on punt returns gets us up against it on in, uh, you know, uh, field position every week in and week out, and it's utterly ridiculous, and we have a special teams coordinator that's supposed to be doing this, and it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's embarrassing. Final things. Bye. Well, um, I agree with what he's saying, but, again, I want to explain to everyone, too, what it takes to be back there. First of all, I want a guy with hands. When you talk about a Dory Jackson, now here's a guy that I like to take, this, I like to take chances. I mean, there are some times say, oh, no, don't, don't fair catch this, and he wouldn't, and he'd break it. And go because he could make a move as soon as he caught the ball, and he had a lot of confidence in his abilities and and doing that. He wanted to be back there. He wanted to do kickoff returns. He wanted to be punt returns. He wanted to be on the offensive side of the football. He wanted to touch the football. He he, he knew this was one way that he could get it done is is returning punts, and he did a great job at it. I'm surprised he even putted the ball to it. Now Harris is is new at this. And again, he doesn't remind me as someone who feels relaxed back there as far as saying, you know, this is something I want to do. I think it's something they've told him he's going to do. Now, and I don't know this. I don't know this. But it seems like he's having a time making a decision on where he is and what he should do. So, number one, without that happening, I'd say I'd want some guy, a guy back there with hands. And again, with the punting the way it is, this pooch punting they're doing, it's very difficult to run a punt back, but, again, you've got to know where you are on the field if they're pooch punting to catch the ball, fair catch the ball, so it doesn't roll back 10 additional yards or 15 additional yards, or they down it on the one-yard line. You can't have that, and I agree with you. That's something that really needs to be, well, as Clay Helton calls it, cleaned up. But, again, you've got to have a guy back there that just can't wait to touch the football, that's got great hands, and like Adore did, he would take it and go with it no matter what, even sometimes when he shouldn't have. Um, yeah, I agree with you there, Coach. Okay, Tim, we got a couple more, then we'll let you go. Tim, I can't recall watching a USC game where the Trojans played so bad for a half and then so good for the next half. I think good things could still happen for this team if if that rhythm Sam talks about can consistently be found. My question for the coach, what would your Monday talk to the team sound like if you were coaching this team? And how do you teach rhythm other than repetition, which I assume this team has had plenty of? Thanks for your insights from Tim. Well, I think we basically talked a little bit about what I would say to the team uh, as far as the potential of our team. And where we are, and I think the number one thing is, well, we've got to all get better, and we can all demonstrate what we can do as far as the football team. When we play our best, we're as good as any team in the country. When we play our worst, we're as bad as any team in the country. So, you know, I would I would be positive as far as the victory is concerned because it was a great win when you come from behind like that. So I wouldn't be uh, negative not understanding. I want them to understand we won the football game. I don't want them to get mixed up and think that, hey, he thought we lost the game. I'd want them to know we won the football game. 
And now what we have to do is to continue winning the football game. We've got to pick up and play like we did in the second half and be a football team. We've got to have three sides of the football, the offense, the defense, and the special teams. And we all got to work together. Now we break down at times, like even Chase breaks down. He kicks all the great balls, then he kicks the ball out of bounds and a kickoff. I mean, that's a breakdown again on special teams. Now, we don't talk about that. I mean, the media doesn't talk about that. Maybe they do. But I notice that stuff. I say, how can that happen? A guy can drill it right through the middle of the crossbars unless someone's telling him, kick the ball to the corner or something, and it's not going to the corner and rolling through the end zone. It's going out of bounds. So immediately you're giving away field position, and you're going to get the ball on the 10-yard line again. Because all they need to do is make about three first downs and they're punting the football. And when you have an All-American punter, he's pretty good at it. So there's a lot of things you got to straighten up, not only with your team, but with your coaching staff. And I've always said, keep it simple. Keep it simple. If we have better players than the teams we're playing, then we ought to be able to, my X is bigger than your O, then we ought to get it done if we know what we're doing. If we get too much in the playbook, where you're thinking and not playing football, then we're not very good. You're thinking rather than playing. And it's simplicity. It's execution. It's all part of knowing. And what they did well is they cut their penalties to three penalties, which is great. It's great. It'd be great to have zero penalties. I don't think they had an illegal procedure. And that's all part of it. So you got to keep, you know, getting better at everything you do. But I wouldn't make my team feel as though they lost the game. But I'd want them to know that we got to play at the same level that we played at in the second half, and we're pretty damn good. And I'd tell my coaches, too, the same damn thing, and I'd explain to them in private or in a staff meeting my thoughts on some of the goods, the bads, and indifference. And I'll let them know, hey, I don't want, I'm not going to lose my head coaching position here at USC because one of you guys want to go out and do what you want to do. I don't care how good of a damn recruiter you are, whatever. I'm Coach Helton to you. I'm not Clay. And you show me that respect and you show your position players the same. And you do a job for them too. I expect them all to get A's on their test. And that's what you go on and do. Um, the G kind of basically had the same question, uh, what kind of conversations you would have. So I think you answered that pretty thoroughly. He did say six and one better than one and six, which is very, very true. The G. And then one last one, Paul in Vegas. Coach, should we have a medical tent on the sideline for privacy like the NFL uses? You know, a lot of colleges have that too now. Yeah. I don't uh, see why, but I mean, Whatever, but I don't know what it, to me. The first thing that tells me, what are you doing to that kid in there that I, you're not supposed to? You know, that's the first thing. Now, if they were to tell me, well, we go in there because it's all dark and we can check concussions better because of the light and the sun or whatever, I'd say, hey, we're going to get a ten immediately if the medical staff says that. We'll have one on the field by halftime if that's the truth. But uh, to go in there, the first thing I think is, what are your height? I hate to say that. But that's what I think. I mean, what could you do on the sideline other than, you know, diagnose the injury or retape the knee or retape the ankle or have a doctor talk to you or whatever? So that's the first thing that I think of. And I know it's not something going on that shouldn't be going on because of the liability. And they would never it'd get out. But it gives me that type of feeling. Yeah, like, uh, you know, where they shoot them up with something or whatever. I don't, you know what I mean. Yeah. What are you doing, having a beer in there? <laughs> Sounds pretty good, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, Coach, that's all the questions. Thanks for everyone sending them in. I don't know if there's something that in your notes that we didn't bring up, anything you wanted to talk about uh, before we let you go. Well, I got a lot of things in my notes. Uh, uh, I think we've gone 50 minutes, and I don't want to bore the people anymore. But uh, I thought it was a win, and that's what counts as far as on the offensive side of the football. I think Sam played a great game. Jones played a good game. And I want to congratulate Malapiai the way he came on the field and dominated when he carried the football. He's a better player than I thought he was. Vaughn is really coming along. He reminds me of Darius Rogers with his one-handed catches and the balance and coordination that he has in following the football. 
I really like that. Um, I think that Jackson and uh, Johnson rotating at tackles will get better. They're gaining confidence as they go. I watch them closely as much as I can. And, uh, you know, sometimes the veteran guys are making more mistakes than they are. So uh, we'll watch it and uh, see what happens the rest of the year. And this is going to be a heck of a game this weekend. They're going to be sore from the Utah game. And Notre Dame has had the week off to watch them play on national television and heal up because they've had some injuries back there, too. They're a good football team. They're well coached. I like their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. They're very simple, and they do what they can do well. And uh, they're going to try to run power and try to out-finesse you and beat the heck out of you. That's what their their new thing is there at Notre Dame. And Brian Kelly basically manages the game now. He's not calling the plays. He stands there and manages the football game, which sometimes is a good thing for coaches to do, especially when you're a very emotional coach. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about, but I think we've done it for today, Ryan. Okay, that sounds good, Coach. Um well, thanks. Thanks for uh, joining us on a Sunday. We get these out a little quicker and uh, let people digest what we had to say, get their thoughts out there, some first-half thoughts and some second-half thoughts, which were certainly very different. Well, Ryan, I want to thank you and also all of our callers and people that listen to this podcast. And, again, uh, uh, looking forward to next week's game. I think it will be a great game, a great tradition, and uh, we'll see what happens. That's what's so great about college football, man. Uh, look around the country. Look, look at the, look at the scores this weekend. Look what happened to Washington State. Look what happened to these other schools. Washington. This is just in the, the Pac-12. How about the LSU game and and the way that game finished uh, for Ed Orgeron and all these other games. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic college football. So I'll leave you on that. Yeah. Thanks, Coach, and uh, thanks to Southern California Tickets. Everyone else, so we're going to do a Dan Weber show this week. Uh, maybe do a recruiting one. I'll do a preview show for Notre Dame. Um, we'll have our Pac-12 podcast coming up, too. So lots of podcasts. Make sure you go check it out on peristylepodcast.com or, of course, uscfootball.com. But I'm Ryan Abraham. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.